Please stand with me as I read from the Word of God, Philippians 4, 1 and 2. I entreat Yodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. The word of God for the people of God. I set up like a booby trap for Teresa by not telling her how that name was pronounced. Okay. No? <laughs> you did? I looked it up too, and it's, um, yeah, Suntuke. So it looks like it's uh, Syntech. I, I was talking to Connor Mills over there at Gateway yesterday, and I said, yeah, I'm preaching on, on you know, the women. I like to say the women because it's hard to pronounce their names. Yodia. And I said, Syntech. And he goes, that's not how you pronounce it. I said, yeah, I think it is. He goes, no. And I said, well, it does sound like a tech company, like Syntech. The evil Syntech needs to be taken down. But it's Syntuke. So that's how we'll pronounce it. I'll pronounce it wrong probably a few times. But that's not important. This morning, we are in Philippians 4, verse 2 and 3. And... When I first, I've been going through the book of Philippians. When I first uh, came to this spot, it's just kind of like an easy Passover spot. You just read it and you're like, okay, well, this is some housekeeping they're doing. You know, Paul's just, you know, talking to these women. Like, uh, it doesn't really, I don't need to sit here and, and get some theology from, this, from these verses. This is just him saying, hey, why don't you women get along? Yodia and soon. Santuke. <laughs> anyway, so that's what, he's, that's what he's saying here. He's saying get along, and he starts going on. I'll read it again. Verse 2 says, I entreat Yodia, and I entreat Suntuke to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. So when you read that, it just seems kind of, okay, yeah, that's, he's just talking to these women who he knows. So why, who are these women? Like who, we really don't know much about these women at all. Really, there's nothing else in the Bible about these two women. They're not named anywhere else. So who are they? Why do they matter? Well, they were a part of the church in Philippi. And they had been, they were helpers. Maybe they were um, <clears throat> uh, deaconesses or, or, or something in that early church. But they were there and they were helpers. They were part of the church. They, were, they had a lot to do with the church. They were involved with the church. They weren't just some random women who, who came uh, every once in a while and were part of the church. These, these women were a part of the church. So the next thing we've got to ask ourselves about this verse, since it is so short and we don't know much about it, is like, what, were these, what, were the, what was the problem they were having with each other? See, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, well, what did they have? Like, what was their problem? I want to know. I want to know the drama. <laughs> I want to know what's going on in, these, in, these, in women's life. And so we don't really have an answer for that either. We don't have an answer about what their problem was. We have no answer about what their problem is. All we know is verse 2. 
really. I entreat Yoda and I entreat Suntike to agree in the Lord. They had a disagreement in the Lord, and they were close together beforehand, and it seems that now they're not close together. They have a disagreement, and it's such a disagreement that Paul thought it necessary to stop his letter to say, hey, why don't you guys get along? You know, so it's important what they're disagreeing about. But one thing that we could probably take from this verse is that it wasn't a doctrinal issue. It wasn't an essential issue that needed to be corrected by Paul because he doesn't do that. He doesn't correct them. Like, it's not like uh, Iodia was saying, you know, Jesus didn't uh, raise from the dead, you know, which would be an essential issue in the church. If somebody was saying that and preaching it around, it would be a problem. And Paul would say, listen, no, he did, and you need to stop saying that. You need to get along. So he's saying the reason why I can, I can gather that from this, I don't think that it, it was an essential issue, is because the language that he used in verse 2, he says, I entreat which means I urge strongly. I'm urging you strongly. I entreat Yodia and I entreat Suntuke. So he uses the exact same language with both these women. He says, I entreat and I entreat. So if one of them had the right answer, it seems like Paul would say, hey, Yodia, get along with uh, Suntuke because she knows what's going on as far as the resurrection, as far as this. So I gather that from that, that it wasn't a a huge essential issue that had, had to be dealt with uh, from Paul. And so, if it wasn't that big of an issue, then why aren't we just skipping over it? Why aren't we just going on to the next thing? The next verses of Philippians are amazing. I mean, it's, it's the be anxious for nothing. It's, it's like these wonderful power verses in the Bible that everybody knows. Why aren't we just going to that? Well, because I think that even though we don't know much about this situation and these women... We can get a lot out of these two little verses. And I have been getting so much as I've been delving in the last couple of weeks um, to the, these verses. And so we're not skipping it because we can gather a lot. You want to know why? Also, I know this because 2 Timothy 3.16 says this. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Right there, it just tells you that there is nothing in the Bible, in the Scripture, that is unimportant. There's nothing that we can, we can just skip over and say, well, you know, it's just the lineage. It's just the Father, the Son, all that stuff. You know, uh, back in the Old Testament, the stuff where you're just like, oh my goodness, there's 15 pages of this stuff. That is important too. It shows the, where Jesus came from. It shows the... Uh, the lineage so those things are important just like this is important and so this morning um i want to relate it to us because i think that we either if we've been in a disagreement with somebody in the church or if we know if we have been and we got over it we will one day if we're together long enough if we're working hard together not if we're just coming to church and sitting here and leaving and going we probably won't have any disagreements, but if we're working together for the Lord, we're going to disagree, and people are going to get their feelings hurt, and people are going to drift away from each other. And I know that you've maybe seen that many times in churches, uh, and if you haven't, just wait. It'll happen, and if it hasn't happened with you, it probably will. If you're working together with somebody, it's like the old saying says, to live above with the saints we love, oh, that will be glory. 
But to live below with the saints we know, know, well, that's another story. Because it's hard to get along here, even though we're Christians, even though we're going to heaven together. We're going to get along great in heaven. Of course we are. No sin. You know, we're going to be perfect. It's another story here on earth. We have problems with each other, and we need to figure out how to deal with it. So this text right here, I have pulled four ways to be united in Christ. That's what this text is about, being united in Christ. When it says in verse 2, it says, to um, agree in the Lord. So we're agreeing in the Lord. We're being united in Christ. So I have four ways to be united in Christ when problems arise, which they will. Number one, get outside counsel. And so let's look at the verse. Let's pull these from the verses. These are all from this scripture, to get outside counsel. Verse 3 says, Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women. So he's talking to somebody here, and this is another thing. We don't know who he's talking to. He has, we have no idea who this is. People... You know, I read some commentaries about this. Some, everybody has different ideas who this is. But this is true companion, which means, in, in the Greek, uh, yoke fellow. So true yoke fellow. So this is somebody that Paul really trusts, and it's his friend, and he knows them, and he's asking for him to be the outside counsel in this situation, in this problem that they're having. And so... That's number one is to get outside counsel. And so we seek wise counsel. We should seek wise counsel. And Proverbs twelve fifteen says this about that. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. So that is good information there for us. And guess what? We're all fools. I'm a fool. You're a fool. Everybody's a fool. And we listen to what we think. We're the right ones in the situation. We're the ones that have done right. You know, it's our story. This, like, why are, this is being done wrong to me. I am the right one. <clears throat> but this verse right here says otherwise. It says, a wise man listens to advice. So we need to listen to advice. So who do we get counsel from? And I'm not saying this exclusively. Like, it's, uh, uh, there's a lot of places to get counsel from. We have counselors here that attend our church. Uh, but one of the things that Ephesians says is that Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says, He gave apostles, the prophets and evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, elders and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ. And so there's, we get our counseling from our elders, from our teachers, from, from those in our church who, um, who have been through this and who are, uh, who, uh, are able to, to counsel us. Where do we get truthful counsel? So this is another thing that, that we, look, we look for when we're getting counsel with somebody. Where do we get truthful counsel from? Let's go back to 2 Timothy 3.16. All scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So that right there shows us that the Bible, God's word, is able to give us everything we need to counsel us. God's word is. And so that's what we look for. We look for people when we're getting counseling in our church, in the middle of our church with each other. We're looking for somebody who is going to go to God's word for the counseling, not somebody who's just going to like use their mind and say, well, I'm going to do this. No, we, we have this baseline right here that we get our counseling from the word of God. And, the re and another thing, we get, where is our source? What is the source of our counsel? James 1.5. 
If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives it generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. So we look to God for our counsel. And so when we look to others for counsel also, we want to make sure that they're looking to God for the counsel also, because the wisdom comes from God for us. And so we look to Christ, we look to God, we look to the Word, and we look for outside counsel. Because sometimes we need people outside of us to look into our lives. We become, uh, have you ever gone over to a friend's house or someone's house and they've been cooking onions? And it's like (laughs) you walk in, you're like, oh my goodness, this is the most disgusting thing I've ever smelled. Or something like that. It's because those people have been in their house for the last like three hours cooking up and they have no idea what smells like because they become nose blind. Remember that trash bag commercial? It's up, I need to smell good, okay. <laughs> well, the, so that's what, we, that's what we do with our problems. We become nose blind to what we're, we're dealing with, our situation. So we need outside people. We can't see the forest through the trees. We need people to say, hey, look, you're doing this and you don't see it. And so that's another reason why we need outside counsel. So that's number one, outside counsel. Number two, focus on the positive. This is a, when I was writing this down, is <laughs> I, I was thinking of, it was a little too, uh, little too happy. Focus on the positive. That's all you got to do. You know, like the, uh, the self-help guru guys. But it's not that at all. This is coming from our text this morning. So we focus on the positive, and let's let's look at our text. Okay, here we go. Number three, yes, yes. I ask you also, true companion, to help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life, who have labored side by side. So what he's what Paul is doing here when he's talking to uh, these women and his friend is saying he only spends a small time. He says, agree in the Lord. That's all he says about like the, the, what they're doing that's not correct. He goes on to say, who have labored side by side with me. So he's not just giving them, they're disagreeing, let's move on, fix the problem, let's go to something else. He's saying, you guys have labored side by side. And this is a positive thing that, that he is telling, Paul is telling these people to focus on. Focus on this. It's not just these women have a problem. These women have done so much with me for the gospel. They have done a lot. They have labored side by side with me. So he's telling them, this is the positive thing that you need to remind. You need to be reminded. We need to be reminded of who we are when we have arguments and, and quarrels together as a church Yes, I remember when we did that, when we went out and we washed cars. I remember when we went to this orphanage together. I remember when we did all this. We need to remember who this person is that we're having a disagreement with, or we need to remind the people who have disagreements, this is, who you, this is what you've done together. This is the work you've done together. This is the positive that you have together. And so when we forget the, work, the good works that people do, we... we uh, it's easier to demonize them. Like, we, for, we want to forgive. Like, I don't want to know what that person is doing that's good. Like, this is what they did to me. This is how bad they are. This is what they're doing. I don't want to remember what we did. But that's, that's what you do when you want to bring somebody together. It's, it's happened so many times in my life when I have looked at somebody, I'm like, eh, they, they disagree. They're doing everything wrong. 
And then the Holy Spirit's like, well, remember what, ha- remember what you guys did together? Remember, remember what they're doing right now for the Lord? And it softens my heart. It makes me not have a hard heart when I think of other people doing uh, good works for the Lord. Then I, it's hard for me to be mad at them. I'm like, I can't be mad at that guy. That, yeah, we disagree about this. but So it's easy to disagree when, you, uh, when you're focusing on the bad. So focus on the positive about what the works that they have done, who they are, the fruit that they have on their tree. Number three, focus on the goal. That's another thing. We're doing a lot of focusing here because I think that's, that's how we uh, take our focus off our little issue right here that we have with each other and we bring it onto a bigger issue. So focus on the goal. This is huge. We focus on the goal because Christ is glorified when we are unified. When we are unified as a family, as a church body, Christ is glorified in that. And so that is our goal as a church. That's why we were here this morning when we were praying earlier with Josh up there. It's, it's, we were asking God to be glorified in everything we did. In the music, which he was, thank you, Josh. Josh, great job. Which he was glorified in the music and he's glorified in the word. He glorified in, in Rifle's prayer. This, the reason why we're here is to glorify God. We're not here to, to read a, a few verses and just do Sunday morning. This is not why we're here. We're here because we want God to be glorified. And God is glorified when we are unified. Let's read Romans 15, 5 through 7. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may, with one voice, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. This is a good picture of how, who we are supposed to be as a church. For the glory of God. We are supposed to do this. We, we want to live as one. We want to be unified. And when we are divided through these problems that we have, which they will come, and we're all human, we're going to do it. When we're divided by that, it's not, we're not giving God the glory. We're being focused on ourselves. But when we're, uni- we're united, we are giving God the glory. We're focusing on the goal. That's what we're doing. We're taking our focus off ourselves, and we're focusing on the, on the goal. Also, Christ is magnified when we are unified. So when we are unified together, it's like, I look at it like a magnifying glass. It's like people are looking, people are lost, people are looking for Jesus. They're like, where is he at? I don't see him anywhere. And then he's got the magnifying glass. We as a church are a magnifying glass. It's like, oh, you want to know who Christ is? He brings all these people together. He unifies all these people, all people of different color, races, any, every kind of background, uh, any kind of um, social status, everything. God can bring everybody together. And when he does that, it shows how amazing God is. It magnifies God. So you want God to be magnified? He's, he does it through our church. Like he does it through how we, we, we interact with each other. He does it how we treat each other. Because it's like, man, all these people, all they do is argue all the time. What has God done in them? You know, if they're just, if they're so separate. But when we're together, it glorifies and it magnifies who God is. It's like somebody looks at it and it's like looking out a window of amazing 
of what God can do. That's what we do when we're together. That's what we do when we're one. We magnify the goodness and the glory of God. <clears throat> so John thirteen thirty four says this, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? That is our kind of our, uh, our word that Bobby says every day after we're love one another. This is the verse it came from. He didn't make it up. Sorry, Bobby. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Right there it says, this is how people are going to know that you're Christians if you love one another. I mean, yeah, you could go out there and you could read or you could stand in the, on the corner and pray, but if you don't have love, they're not going to know. They're just going to think you're some weirdo. But if we love each other, they're going to know that you're true disciples of Jesus if we love each other as a family, as a body. Speaking of body, number four. Focus on the goal. Number four is understand the body. So let's go back to our text. It says uh, in, chap- in verse 3, Yes, I ask you, true companion, to help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. So he is saying that these women are Christians who are believers. They are in the book of life. They, are, they will not be blotted out. This is something where these two women are in the book. They are part of the body of Christ. And in, second, in 1 Corinthians 12, 21 through 26, this is what Paul says. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again to the head, to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow to the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So Paul is, is saying in, in 1 Corinthians that like, this is used as an example that this is where the body works. There's a lot of different parts to the body. You know, <clears throat> there's a lot of eyes, there's a lot of mouths, there's a lot of feet. And we all have different roles to play in the body of Christ. And so when we <clears throat> look at ourselves and say, well, I'm a hand. Let's just say I'm a hand. Let's say Bobby's a foot. Sorry. Feet are good. So I, if I treat Bobby like he should be a hand with me, like, well, you should do everything that a hand does because I do that and I'm a hand. You know, instead of recognizing that he's a foot, and he does things different. He has a different uh, way of his, his spiritual gift. His work is different than mine. But it's all part of one body, and it needs to be there. I, you can't walk on your hands. Well, Scarlett can walk on her hands, but I can't walk on my hands. So you can't, whenever we recognize the parts of the body that are different than ours in, in our church, in our family, in our group, we will be able to recognize that they do things different. They may have different opinions on how things are to be done. 
but we are all working together and we are all important for the body. And so we need the feet, we need hands, we need eyes, we need mouths, we need everything. And so when we look at others, when we have arguments or disagreements with others, if we look at them uh, like say, yeah, I've, yeah, they do things different, that's their gift, that's what they do, and we say it's all for the body. If we believe it's all for the body, like it says in 1 Corinthians there, then like we will have a lot better time at understanding one another, understanding the body. We need to understand the body. And so another way of doing that, Philippians 2, 2 through 5 says this, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord, full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. This is something I'm not good at. I don't know if everybody else is good at this also. People that know me can, you know, attest that I'm not very good at looking to others before myself. I'm a very selfish person. Um, And I want like when I was working on this this week, it was very convicting to me. All this stuff that I'm reading here, I was like, why am I preaching this? <laughs> you know, this is not who I am. I'm not that person. But this is what God's words tells us we can. Uh, we can be like, and we should be like. And to be honest with you, I'm learning because God has given me strength. And I am becoming better at this. And I think that through the strength of God, obviously, we can be better. So we need to serve others. We need to look to others. That's another thing. We need to serve, and we don't need to deserve. Serve, don't deserve. And 1 Peter 4.10 says this, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another, as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks, as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belonging glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. It says right there, God supplies our strength. That's what we need to remember. When we are working with people and we are, we are working maybe outside of people, giving advice, counsel, or if we're working with you and somebody who has a problem, It's God is going to supply you with everything that you need to figure this thing out because he wants you to be united together. God does not want us to be bickering over little things. Yes, there's theology, and theology does matter. And the word of God does matter, and truth does matter. We don't just need to bow down to somebody if they're bringing something that's that's against what the Bible says. But when it comes to our relationships together, there's a lot of things that aren't in the Bible and aren't essentials that we get bent out of shape about. And so we need to remember that we need to serve and we don't need to deserve. We don't deserve, we serve. So these are the four ways that I pulled out of this verse about a seemingly just kind of verse that, you know, what can we get out of here? But we can get so much out of this verse, and, and Paul is showing us these examples, and he's giving us this stuff for us. He knows, he knows that it's going to help others, and that's one of the reasons why we look at these verses. That's one of the reasons why we, we get into these verses, and we pick out, and we go, and we look around the, uh, around the whole text of the Bible, 
and we get these awesome gems that we could have just maybe just skipped over. And so let's, let's review a little bit. Four ways to be united in Christ when problems arise. If you're writing them down, get outside counsel. So from outside ourselves, from elders, teachers, from the Word of God, from the Spirit of God. So we need to focus on the positive, number two. Remember the great works and the harmony you have together. Remember. Remember the good stuff. Remember the good times that you're having. Humanize people. Don't make them subhuman to where there's some horrible... I mean, look at politics. Oh my goodness. It would, it would seem that some of these people were born like and had done nothing good in their lives by the way people are talking. Let's not be that way with each other. Let's humanize people. Let's, let's say, well, yeah, look at all the good stuff we've done. So number seven... Uh, or number, sorry, number three <laughs> is focus on the goal. Focus on the goal. The more the focus on glorifying Christ, the less we will be worried about being right and being our little thing, or having things go our way, because it's not about that. It's about glorifying Christ. And the last one, understand the body. So when we understand that everybody is different and has unique gifts and uses and uses in the body, then we can understand where they're coming from and what their gift is. And so when, I, when I'm reading this, when I look at Scripture in the Bible, I always want to know, what does this have to do with, what does this have to do with the gospel? Like, what is, like, is, I don't want to just, like, give everybody a self-help. Like, this is the four things you do. All right, go and live your life. No, this is, this is, remi- this reminds me. I've, it took me such a long time of, like, studying this until, it, like, three in the morning it dawned on me as, Oh my goodness, this is, this is the story of the gospel here in this, little, in this little text. Because the way that the gospel is, is that we as people, we're at odds with God. We are enemies of God before we are in Christ. We are enemies of God. We're not just, well, yeah, I don't believe in God. We are, we are enemies of God. And we're at a disagreement with God. I don't believe, God, that you have what's best for me. I don't believe that you died for me. All that stuff. And it takes somebody to come in from the outside. It takes somebody like his friend, Paul's friend here, to make things right. And that's the gospel, that we couldn't make things right. We are quarrelsome with God the whole time. I'm not going to do anything you say, God. I'm not going to do that. And so Jesus comes in as the outside counselor, as the propitiation as the person who is giving himself and saying you know what i want you guys to be together so much i hate that you guys are apart i want you guys to be together so much that i'm going to come down i'm going to humble myself i'm going to take a form of a man and i'm going to die on the cross for you because that's how much i want you to be unity with the father and so when we look at verses like this we need to be remembered that That's the way that God wants us to be unified. And he gives us a perfect example of Jesus. The whole story of the gospel of the Bible is that we're not unified with God. And so God says, you need to be unified, and you can't until I send my son. And so he sent his son to die on the cross because we could not be unified. There's nothing we could do. And so that's the gospel story that God did that. That he loves us so much that he sent his son to come and to make amends, to bring us to get together. 
to heal our relationship. So this morning, if we have relationships that need healing with other people, if anything has resonated this morning with you, if you have somebody that you need to make amends with, if you have somebody who you need to talk to, I hope you do that. But most of all, I hope that if you have not made right with God, if you have not accepted Jesus in your heart, if you have not let Jesus come be the mediator between you and God, because I'll tell you what, without Jesus, there's no way you will be enemies of God until you die. The only way to unify you and God is to allow Jesus to do that for you because he's done the work on the cross and he wants, he, he did it because he wants you to come, he wants you to say, I need you and I want you to be back into your good graces with the Father and I want the Father to give you grace. If you've not done that, I pray that you would do that. Let's pray right now. God, I pray that as we are wrapping up this morning, God, I pray that you would unify us with each other. God, that we would look at Yodia uh, and Senteke and that we would see an example of how we need to bring ourselves together with each other. We need to seek outside counsel, God. We need to, we need to strive to be united because we want to give you glory. God, I pray that if there is anyone here that, that hasn't been united with you through your son, I pray that.